Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. With Ian Smith. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, 9.03 here on SENZ. Three hours uh, of quality this morning in terms of our guests anyway, and the host will try to keep up. Uh, Rugby, women's cricket, motor racing, a panel, racing, the TAB, and women's rugby. So uh, really, and then a comedian, a comedian, Cohen Holloway, to finish off uh, this morning. So yeah, really, really busy. So a lot of content. A lot of content, even without the All Blacks, we can make it work here on SENZ. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. And speaking of the All Blacks, of course, they are on a well-earned break. So there we were, we're thinking Wellington v Canterbury Friday night in the capital was the feature game of the weekend. Bias, bias might enable me to throw Tasman v Hawks Bay into the equation. After all, history is at stake. There at McLean Park in Napier on Saturday afternoon, and of course the log. Would have obviously given serious consideration to the Farah Palmer Cup playoffs this Saturday, but NZ Rugby, they deemed it unimportant by withdrawing all their top-line players for more national training preference. So that was that for the ladies. But no, the headline act will be at Owen Delaney Park in Taupo. A round four clash between host King Country and Wanganui. Why? because Sam Kane is making a high-profile one-off appearance for King Country as he returns to contact rugby. He will be a ram for less than a week, rightly or wrongly. Reparoa born, is really a steamer through and through, although his birthplace is very close to the thermal areas that are Taupo and Wairaki. Of course, the ram crowd are thrilled, rubbing shoulders with and having the services of an all-black captain is rare but new to them. Their team is coming off a flogging and they're having to regroup quickly. Training will be keen and earnest at Mungakino on Thursday night. Dinner at the RSA afterwards will have a special meaning, although Sam won't be sitting at the head of the table. He's just one of the boys, not captain, fitting in. Just like when he rejoins to the All Blacks very shortly, actually. Sitting precariously placed at fourth on the table, Wanganui are less than thrilled. As you would imagine, but they will take it on the chin now that the ink is dry and in true blue and black tradition, they will give their all with an extra incentive. Over a beer going forward, just imagine, son, I played the day we beat the King Country with the All Black skipper. Did you really, Dad? Did you really? And then there's a certain irony about this matchup because it could count towards a place for the Meads Cup. Staunch, I mean, Staunch King Country was the last All Black captain who played for them. The legendary C.E. Meads, the pine tree, was never prouder than wearing his maroon blazer. King Country and Wanganui in days gone by have combined resources and players to take on the best the world could offer on tour. They were fantastic days shoulder to shoulder. Saturday at Owen Delaney, they could never be further apart. It's mouth-watering stuff. You'll need liniment in the crowd. Sky Sport, 
please send a crew. It's the feature match of the weekend. The tree will be looking down. I wonder what he would have made of all this fuss. Well, it's 9.06 here on SENZ, uh, and all joking aside, uh, there is a very, very serious game of rugby this weekend here in uh, Hawke's Bay. Almost three weeks ago, uh, the Bay defended the Ranfilly Shield in a golden point extra time thriller against the Bay of Plenty, and also earned the right, because of that, to be called the Bay this weekend. Uh, the Magpies put the log of wood on the line against two-time defending NPC Premiership champions Tasman. Joining us now from Hawke's Bay is... Uh, former All Black and loose forward Gareth Evans. Good morning to you, Gareth. First of all, mate, uh, can I ask you, in that last challenge, were you guys all aware that uh, you had to defend the shield for that extra time as well? Yeah, morning, Swiss. Uh, well, no, we didn't really know what was going on there. Um, but obviously under the new rules that have been changed for the last couple of years, um, everything was on the line. So um, that was an interesting that was interesting. That just just take us through the last couple of minutes and the and the vital play as as you kept position and started going towards uh, the Bay of Plenty line because uh, earning that penalty, of course, was was very very crucial. Uh, you had to come from behind in the last minute to get that far. Yeah, I think in that game we probably played our best footy in the last sort of uh, five minutes in that game. Um, yeah, we did in the footy one. Um, they had finished with a pretty unreal try there with about two minutes to go and. We just thought we had to give it our best crack and uh, you know, Town stood up and made a pretty crucial kick for us from about four years. So he's been a great us. Does, uh, does uh, uh, Ramfilly Shield Weeks, is there extra intensity? I have. Sorry, Steve? Uh, uh, Ramfilly Shield, is there extra intensity in, in the way you build up and prepare? Yeah, I think there's always a bit of mental... Um, mental side of it. Um, that's, that's, a, that's something we've been working on um, like when we play away games, uh, Wellington and things like that. Um, just, just trying to stay on the, the mental side of it um, because it's quite, a, uh, it's quite big getting up for a very pretty show game and then we, we usually drop the away games um, quite easily. So um, we're no, not short of any motivation this week to play Tasman. So do you have uh, within the group, is it a defend attitude or a win it attitude uh, with the Shield? I mean, do you go out, set out to defend it or you just set out to win it back? Oh, I think you have to have the win it approach. If you defend it, you sort of, um, you're not playing playing the right style of game or probably doing the Shield justice. So, um, no, we've got to go out and we're not trying to defend it. We've got to try and win it every week. And we're playing some pretty quality opposition um, this weekend, so it's going to be no different. So um, after that win over Wellington, you've had the bye. Uh, did it come at the right time, or do you feel that you're on a roll and you would have liked to have continued last week? Uh, I think it's a double-edged sword, really. It's, 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 um, it's a, good, a good option to freshen a few players up. I know um, I, we probably would have, if we had to play um, Tasman last week, we might not have had a couple of players playing um, uh, with Marino out and possibly with Dixon. So um, it's good to hear both of those guys back this week. So uh, everyone, everyone's pretty pretty much fit and available. Is that correct, or uh, are you still missing a couple? Uh, Danny Tuala, etc. How, how, how are those guys? Devin Flanders. Yeah, Danny Tuala's back this week, and um, so is Devin Flanders. But um, 
Yeah, the boys, um, Amory and the team. So, yeah, the boys are really, really looking forward to, um, you know, playing at home in front of a. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a very big crowd, but I know Hawks going to make the most of their situation as you'll see the news and things like that along. Um, on hopefully a good, good uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like. You, you, you're in the least Ford area. Uh, like, like Devin Flanders, Brendan O'Connor, Marino, Marino McKelly, Tutu, Solomone, Fanaki, Josh Kaifer. Have, and yourself, have, have we ever been stronger in that area in terms of debt? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Sorry. Uh, as you all know, it's a pretty high cushion rate. So, uh, in terms of turnover and injuries and things like that. So, yeah, we've got some good debt here. And we can, um, I think the good thing now is we've got some... Uh, good depth in that position and in the squad that if someone sort of falls over or isn't available that week we've got um, some keen guys to come through and really step up in those positions which really helps the team overall Well Tasman have never held the Ranfurly Shield so uh, they are highly motivated I think they've been thinking about this since you defended against Bay of Plenty um, they've never held it before uh, what are you expecting from this Tasman outfit? Yeah, I think we've got our work cut out for us uh, front. They, you know, there's no there's no hiding from it. They're a big pack. They're going to come hard, strong, direct, and um, they've got big, skillful backs. Um, you just look at the way they play the game. Um, they're very clinical in what they do. They don't give a lot of penalties away. And um, they're, obviously, they're obviously coming for us this weekend. They rested, they rested a few players in the weekend against Southland. So, um, yeah, it's going, to be, um, it's going to be all good out there on Saturday afternoon, I think. They might. I haven't seen the Marco team. I'm not even sure that they've announced it as yet. It's, uh, it's only Wednesday morning, but possibly Shannon Frizzell and their team uh, looking to uh, uh, make an, uh, an impression before he rejoins the All Blacks. But they are, as you say, they've got a lot of experience in there. They just seem to attract good squads every year. Yeah, they seem to attract good players, and, and you know they're a great team. They've, they've won the Premiership the last two, two years in a row, so that's no mean feat in doing. And, you know, there's likes of Curry Curry Parkinson to come back this week too. We didn't play in the weekend. So, yeah, we know what's coming and we're going to be big, hard, strong and direct. And um, credits with Curtis Jr. are a good side, but um, we're up for the challenge and we're going to go out and get our best track. So what, what's um, on the menu for, for Gareth Evans uh, after the stint for Hawke's Bay? What, what are you looking at, Gareth? How's the body and uh, looking forward? Yeah, uh, my body's fine. Great now. Um, if you asked me at this time last year, things weren't looking so good. Um, I had a bit of a, a niggly ankle injury and it didn't seem to get any better. And I'd spoken to a couple of specialists and it wasn't looking too great for the longevity of the game. But um, I'm glad I, because uh, at the end of last year, I went down to Christchurch and um, saw a good surgeon down there and he fixed it up and it's sort of given me a new lease of uh, rugby. So um, I'm really looking forward to the next step. I'm heading back down to the Highlanders. Um, Linking up with Tony Brown and um, sort of that group will start for me really, so it's going to be awesome. What what, what about uh, overseas? Uh, any overseas prospects for you on the radar? Uh, potentially down the track, but um, if I'm honest, I, I didn't want to leave on a bad note, being injured and not playing a hell of a hell of a lot, hell of, a lot of footy. So um, I want to go back down there and and um, really get my game back going again and. And I know that'll potentially happen, so um, that's what I'm really looking forward to the next step, having a good pre-season and getting stuck in. So whatever happens uh, to the rest of the Hawks Bay season, of course, uh, head coach Mark Ozich is heading to the Western Force, Ash is going off to Japan. Um, so um, yep. in terms of in terms of leadership, they've put together quite 
quite a strong leadership at the top of the order, haven't they? Yeah, there's some uh, some, there's some good experience there, but obviously um, there's a few guys that are getting a bit older. Um, that might not be around. I'm not sure what Brendan O'Connor's up to, and he's a great asset on and off the field for us. Um, not sure what um, Brendan Evans and others up to. So we might lose a little bit of experience um, higher up, but you know the, the, the young guys that are coming through, like with Devin Flanders and Lincoln McClutchies, and, and, and that they're a few years out of Hastings boys and those guys are just growing every year and you can see them getting better and better um, and they're going to be a huge asset to Hawks Bay when they only get to their mid-twenties. Hey Gareth, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, so looking forward to uh, Saturday afternoon, 4.35. I think it's going to be uh, an absolutely fantastic uh, encounter. How about, hey, what about Sam Kane playing for King Country? What do you make of that? Oh, it's outstanding, it? I think it's good for the game in general. I had a yarn to him. Uh, he was down running a water uh, when we played Bay of Plenty at, at McLean Park, and he said he wasn't far away. So, um, yeah, it's awesome for him. And um, I was speaking to him, and he said his body's feeling good again. And it's probably this long, a long time he's had off in the game, and it's mentally refreshed him as well. And um, I think he's going to really enjoy being back into it. Uh, it's going to be special in Taupo, special in Napier as well, mate. Uh, all the best for the rest of the week in preparation. We'll see you Saturday afternoon. Cheers, man. Cheers, mate. Okay, Gareth Evans there, of course, uh, from Hawke's Bay. Uh, the Highlanders this year has been to the Hurricanes, former All Black, uh, little stints overseas, and uh, still a lot of rugby left in the boots of Gareth Evans by the sound of that. Let's hope he's got plenty on Saturday afternoon, 9.16 here on SENZ. What do you think of Sam Kane dropping down a couple of divisions? Do you think it's uh, fair on Wanganui? Do you really do you think it's uh, a great thing for the game, as Gareth has just said? Do you think... It's, um, I mean, they're quite serious about that grassroots rugby. How would you feel if uh, uh, he was playing or, or one or two players just accidentally popped in against you in a crucial game? They have to win it, Wanganui, to get into the playoffs. So, really, what do you think? What do you think of Sam Kane dropping down? That's uh, point one. Um, we'll come up with some other reasons to text us on double eight double three shortly. 9.21am, Zane has texted in to say, Smithy, great move having Sam Kane play. You'd have to imagine the Wanganui guys are relishing the chance to play, test themselves against one of the world's best. I would be watching if it was on. Well, we've got good news for you, John. You've confirmed to me that this game is on Sky Sport 3 on Saturday afternoon. So there you go, Zane. We'll be able to watch it. Uh, yep, we'll try and get Nigel Yeldon on as well because uh, he's a made Wanganui man. Uh, Phil, Phil from the West Coast has called in this morning. Good morning to you, Phil. Where, where do we find you at the moment? Um, Akamatoa. What are you doing at the moment then? You pulled over to the side of the road or what's happening? Um, hack, actually. Um, fertiliser on. Oh, so you're in a tractor? I am. Good on you, mate. So obviously you've had to stop that very important work because you've got an opinion about the Sam Kane, have you? Yeah, I reckon. Um, it's it's like a trot horse dropping back a couple of um, couple of grades. It should throw an extra few kg on him. Oh, I like that. So just strap a lead bag around his waist or something. Yeah, even on the ankles. <laughs> on the ankles something. as well. <laughs> something to even hey, up hey, the, the boys. How would you feel if he was playing against the coast? Would you you'd be down there? You you there, Phil? Cut out. Uh, but hard, 
bit hard to, to get Phil on his uh, phone at the moment. Obviously, some dodgy reception down there. But yeah, that's not a bad idea. Put some uh, lead-weighted manacles around his ankles just to, just to tie him up a wee bit. Um, Sam Kane, Smithy, Sam Kane playing for King Country is awesome and it's great for the game. One player at senior level doesn't change a result by itself. And if they do, maybe the opposition should take a good look at themselves. I think the Wanganui boys will relish and enjoy it. How good to play against the All Black captain. Hopefully it helps fill the stands. Really hope they have a great aftermatch and they can all sit around and have a beer with Sam Kane. That would be a nice little fitting uh, fitting into the game. Whoever wins or lose, I think Wanganui will still be favourites. I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, they've got to be able to... They've really, you know, they've got to be able to withstand the fact that one man can beat them, and I, I, I don't think they do. And on the back of a flogging, King Country got an absolute flogging last weekend, uh, so they can't be chock full of confidence, you would imagine. How about uh, training at Mungakino, John? Training at Mungakino, and then having a traditional dinner at the RSA afterwards. Beautiful. That is grassroots rugby. That's what I loved about playing rugby, Smithy. I was um, in a division in Canterbury when I was uh, in, in my about late teens, uh, playing in North Canterbury against all those teams. So going up to like Oxford and Amberley and all that sort of stuff, playing a game in the country, and then going back into the club rooms for some fish and chips or whatever they, the spread they put on afterwards, and a, a few boat races. Smithy, it's always good good fun, the grassroots stuff. I have no problem with Sam Kane dropping down, uh, you know, a couple of divisions, you know, used to playing all-black level, then there's super rugby level, then there's NPC, and then there's Heartland, which is probably above club rugby, um, but about the same. Mm. Uh, and I think it's great. I think it'll lift the level for everyone. I don't think one man can make that big a difference for King Country, so I, I, it'll make a big difference, of course, uh, but not a game-winning difference, I don't think, Smithy. So in terms of fairness... I think I'm okay with it. Uh, I think that the pros definitely outweigh the cons of this game. Everyone's talking about Heartland Rugby, aren't they? So here's the thing. So uh, Sam Whitelock uh, was looking to come back this weekend and Canterbury didn't have a game. Uh, and Aaron Smith was perhaps looking to come back this weekend um, and uh, Manawatu didn't have a game. You'd be happy that, for them to throw them into Hawke's Bay to play Tasman? No problem? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, because they're they're in the same comp, you know. They're in the same comp. So is that helping out the enemy in the same competition? Like Heartland's different to the NPC, so I think Sam's going to a totally different competition. What's the closest team uh, to Sam's team in that Heartland competition? It's King Country. So he's it's it's in the area. It's in the realm. It's in the same place, Smithy. Different comp. That's what I'm saying. No one should help out Hawks Bay. Right, okay, fair enough, John. I think we've got your opinion very loud and clear on that one. Um, in terms of uh, more rugby news, the team of the tournament, the rugby team of the tournament has been announced. I don't know who judges it, but obviously doesn't like the all-black back line. Uh, Stephen Kitsoff and Cody Taylor and Taniela Tupo in the front row, Brody Rotalic and Luke De, La- De Yager in uh, the locking area, uh, Akira Ioani, Michael Hooper, Adi Savia, the loose forwards, Tate McDermott, Quade Cooper, uh, Makazoli Mapipi, and uh, Samu Karivi, Lucanio Arm, Andrew Callaway, and Geordie Barrett managed to sneak in uh, the only all-black back to make the team of the tournament, having won it, mind you, having won it and just lost the one game right at the very end. Hmm, interesting. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I think it is interesting. The Wallabies dominating the team of the tournament. I think it was World Rugby who came up with it, Smithy, and some of their decisions sometimes are a bit head-scratching. Um, so for the Wallabies to have the most players in the tournament team 
Um, yeah, it's a little bit surprising, but I guess the All Blacks chopped and changed quite a few times, so it would have been hard to choose Bla- uh, Brad Weber or TJ Pedernada um, or Bowden Barrett over Quade Cooper, and maybe I would have gone for that one, I think. Um, I think Bowden was... Uh, Quade had his moments, for sure, but over the whole tournament, probably Bowden Barrett for me. Karevi, absolutely. The best second five in the business. Lacanio Arm um, for that round-the-back behind pass in that last game, but he barely got the ball for the rest of the tournament, Smithy. So he had one good game and he's in there. But I guess it's because Rico was in there a couple of times, ALB a couple of times. They didn't really shine. So, yeah, I'd like to make an argument for more All Blacks in that back line. But I guess when you look at the tournament as a whole and the All Blacks chopped and changed, it's quite hard to say. But Wallabies, they'll be cock-a-hoop. Look out for them next year, is it? I wouldn't be thinking to read too much into it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I don't understand how Quade Cooper can be the best number 10 in that competition. He didn't really do much against the All Blacks, did he, at all, to be fair? I don't recall him beating the All Blacks. Uh, I don't recall uh, Australia beating the All Blacks at any stage in that competition. I know that Callaway was pretty handy. Uh, He had some good test matches. Uh, I I still don't uh, believe he's the most dynamic winger by any stretch of the imagination. And so, yeah, Tate McDermott, nice promising young halfback. But uh, at the end of the day, did he have a say on the competition? And when you're picking, picking teams like that, I, I think you've got to look at, at the impact they had on the comp. Australia, last time I looked at the points table, they weren't that close to winning it. So uh, having said that, uh, can't begrudge them uh, all the time. Um, so interesting to catch up there with uh, Gareth Evans. Uh, our rugby doesn't finish uh, there on the show because we're going to be talking to China Hohepa, who is the captain of the Waikato Farah Palmer Cup team, of course, they had to live without nine players last weekend, still got the job done against Wellington, and will face the formidable Canterbury at the weekend, who uh, have, have no, um, they have no uh, Black Ferns available, to my knowledge anyway, uh, in this uh, squads for the weekend, so no Kendra Coxedge, and she's always, of course, a dominant factor in those women's finals. Uh, and don't forget also, uh, text of the week uh, wins a temper pillow worth $299, and uh, the best test text of the month, uh, and I hope World Rugby aren't judging this, will win a temper queen package, including a temper queen mattress, a temper queen adjustable base, and two temper pillows valued at $10,000. Man, that is something, what a hell of a prize that is. Certainly worth winning. Uh, after uh, the news with Trudy coming up now, we will be talking women's cricket. World Cup is not that far away. Thirty-two here on SENZ and it is an important day on the calendar for the Women's Cricket World Cup. ICC of course uh, it's uh, 2022 it's been put off uh, deferred to this new date that has come up. 31 matches uh, uh, comprising the tournament and today at 10 o'clock tickets go on sale for the showpiece event of the women's game. Uh, it'll be six uh, New Zealand cities, cities hosting it uh, over that particular period um, and it is uh, under five months before it is underway so important time for us to be talking to the CEO of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup New Zealand uh, Andrea Nelson, good morning to you Andrea, thanks for joining us Good morning Well this is an, an important day because uh, all the hard work uh, sig- is signalled by um, the interest that you get from the public, of course, which is crucially important. So uh, tickets, uh, first of all, how do we get the tickets? Uh, let's start on that note. 
Yeah, look, so it's an incredibly exciting day for us. Uh, you know, we have been, obviously we were delayed, uh, so to finally be on sale for tickets is a real milestone moment for us and we're really excited to be bringing this out to the public. You just head to tickets.cricketworldcup.com and the ticket pricing is really designed to get people into the stadium. So kids are $7, adults are $17, right the way through, all the way to the final at Hagley Oval. So we're keeping it pretty simple and for a family of... Uh, of five, it's $45 to come along for the day. So for us, we just want to um, show the world uh, how much New Zealanders support women's sport, but also give Kiwis a chance to experience it, many of them for the first time, um, what a great sport women's cricket is. You know, I, I guess you're still, uh, even with the, the ticket sales, it, it gives you some sort of moral certainty about the whole thing, but you still, I guess, as an organising body, because of the way the world is, you, you just sort of wake up every morning on tender hooks, I would imagine. Yeah, look, you just got to roll with the punches being an event promoter in this current environment. I did say the other day that my crystal ball is a little faulty. Um, but, you know, what what we've got is an incredibly experienced team, but also the full support of New Zealand Cricket, the International Cricket Council, and the uh, New Zealand government. So, you know, with those uh, partners together, we are just navigating our way through, you know, the issues as they arise. You know, um, what we thought was happening eight weeks ago is different to today. It's mm. different to a year ago. Mm. But what we're really confident about is, as you say, this is the pinnacle event for women's cricket. Uh, 80, you know, 87,000 people crammed into the MCG to see the final of the T20 a couple of years ago. Feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, and, mm. you know, we want to bring that excitement back and, you know, carry on the journey of women's cricket. I also believe, uh, Andrea, because of uh, the lack of competition around the world, the lack of World Cups, etc., I actually believe that this is quite an iconic event for sport, not just women's cricket. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the other thing that's really worth uh, you know, focusing on is this is the first of three Women's World Cups that are happening in New Zealand. So the Rugby World Cup later in uh, 2022 and then the FIFA World Cup the year after. So, you know, what a statement about New Zealand as a country and our sports fans. Um, and what a great way to kind of own our moment on that global trajectory of women's sports. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic event in its own right. Anyone who watched the Australia-India series recently or some of those really tight matches between the White Ferns and England, you know, you'd see how exciting this is. And I think the cool thing about women's cricket and the, the, the stage of evolution at that is on any given day, you never know what's going to happen. And one player can turn a game like that. And that will be what makes this event really exciting. And it's getting more and more profile as, uh, as more and more matches have been uh, shown on television, of course. I, I imagine any normal situation running a World Cup has its problems and, you know, you, you've just got to overcome them on a daily basis, as you say. But this is slightly different. Things like MIQ bookings, vaccinations and things. Can you update us on what the protocols will be around those? Yeah, look, I mean, what I'd say is that we are five months away from the start of the event. So um, there's a fair bit of water to go under the bridge. But what we've got is a plan for every eventuality. So we're working with government about getting the people who need to get into the country. We already have an initial allocation of MIQ rooms, which is great. Um, You know, in terms of vaccinations and all of the stuff that's happening, you know, we're listening to the government advice. We'll follow the rules and make sure that we're keeping New Zealanders safe and the players safe. And, you know, where we're really lucky is we're working alongside New Zealand Cricket, who've delivered fantastic events here over the summer, um, you know, last summer and will again, and with our partners at the ICC. You know, these guys, we, we know what we're doing in this space. Um, we've got the best help, and we just want to make it a success. 
Tell us about um, the venues, the six venues you've picked and why you've picked those. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted it to be a nationwide tournament. That was really important for us from the beginning. So we, we had matches in Auckland all the way down to Christchurch. We open with uh, what we're calling the Beach Bonanza in the Bay, so a really cool event at Bay Oval on a Friday night to kick off the tournament. Um, and then all the way through, we've got matches in Hamilton, Tauranga, uh, Dunedin. We have a weekend in Auckland, so two big matches at Eden Park over two days, Australia, India, and then New Zealand, England. And then moving down to the business end of the tournament, semi-finals at the Basin Reserve in Hagley, and then the finals under lights at Hagley Oval, which is, um, I think, going to be a spectacular experience. Yeah, and it will. Um, uh, look, last time I think the, the women's cricket was to the fore down this part of the world, they had a massive crowd. I think it was in Australia, wasn't it? They had thousands upon thousands for the... the the uh, the final in particular are you are you combining other events around these games as such you know to enjoy the whole festival as such yeah look what we're really looking to do is create a real really great family festival feeling for the event so you know we think that a big audience for the sport will be sporting families you know mums on the sidelines dad to take their kids down to the net or they might be rugby fans or hockey fans but this is a chance for that world cup experience so we're creating a whole atmosphere for those families, whether it is a place for the kids to play, a place for the parents to hang out. It should be a bit different to your normal, you know, black caps or white ferns match day experience, and there'll be more details coming out about that in the months ahead. Uh, the other thing, Andrea, of course, is uh, when you're, you're looking to promote events, you need individuals to do that. Now, we do have some fairly well-known, high-profile New Zealand women cricketers at the moment. Um, how are you going to uh, exploit them? How are you going to get them in the eyes of the public, etc., to, to, to try and draw uh, that extra support? Yeah, look, we're really lucky with the White Ferns that we have. You know, we've got some fantastic uh, players here on the ground and we work really closely with many of them, um, you know, to, to do promotions and to talk about the event. And they're really excited. A World Cup on home ground at the moment where women's cricket is globally is a really special opportunity for them. Um, but I'd also say internationally, you know, we were, we had Natali Raj over from uh, mm. India when we launched our host cities a couple of years back. Um, we work really closely with international players. So I think uh, we're, we're going to use everything we can and, and champions and, and spokespeople. We've got a few who are at the SENS network as well who want to kind of speak up about our events. Just, you know, I'd encourage everyone to spread the word. Um, so cricketworldcup.com is our website and the details of tickets are there. We've got a cool television commercial we're launching today. So just lots of ways that people can get involved in making this event a success. I go right back to, um, I'm old enough to go back to remembering the 1987 Rugby World Cup, which was uh, an inaugural one um, for rugby and, and uh, the way that New Zealand embraced that. Uh, and that was uh, the neutral nations as well, the smaller nations, how we turned out to the grounds uh, and supporting those uh, neutral nations was hugely important to the event. It is unlikely at this point you'll be able to get too many tourists to come to the event, so this really is on the New Zealand public as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I would say not only is it a great day out and fantastic sport, first and foremost, but it is a really good way to show your support for these athletes, you know, um, and show your support for women's sport. It's on a whole journey, you know, with the, the equity that we're gaining. Our players are flying business class. They're staying in the same accommodation as the men. They're playing on the same pitches. But we can't take that for granted. 
that's happening because people are getting behind it and making it successful. So, you know, as well as being a really awesome experience, I just encourage people to get along because it's the right thing to do also to get behind the teams. Um, we have huge communities for a lot of the teams that are competing here, in particular the Indian community um, and to some of our qualifiers also that will be coming through later this year. So, you know, we'll be working with those groups to bring them in en masse. Um, but what I'd say to anyone that's listening to the station is, you know, get your ticket. It really is reasonably priced. Um, you know, money isn't a barrier to come along. Um, come and enjoy the no. day at the cricket and spread the word, yeah. Australia favourites for you at, the, at this point or not? I mean, the cricket world is evening up women's-wise, I think. Yeah, look, I would refer you to uh, some cricket commentators I might be talking to you who'd have more informed decisions on this than I would. Mm. But, um, look, I think the Australia-India series and the England-New Zealand series showed that this is a competitive um, tournament. You know, there is a uh, there are a lot of teams that can make those finals. And on the day, any team can make it and take it. So, you know... You've got to put your, um, you know, be impressed by what the Australian women's cricket team achieved back at the T20 World Cup, um, you know, but there's lots of opportunity. And, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. I shouldn't say this as a neutral organiser, but wouldn't it be great to see the White Ferns in that final? Well, they won it last time they hosted it, uh, Andrea, so uh, it seems like quite some time ago, uh, but they did. Uh, just uh, uh, before we let you go, the, the financial side of things, obviously you're relying on ticket sales, etc., to help things tick over there. Um, everyone talks about now in this uh, pandemic era uh, making exceptions or doing things because of economic reasons. How do you see it shaping up economically, this tournament? Yeah, for New Zealand, this is going to be huge in terms of the scale of investment that's coming into, um, into New Zealand from the International Cricket Council and their broadcasters. But what I'd also say is that global exposure it will offer to 1.1 billion people tuned into the last final at the T20 World Cup, that's more than the Men's Rugby World Cup most recently. So the scale is is huge. So it really does stack up. Um, you know, but what I'd say is also not just on economics. You know, it's a real social benefit to see, have young girls. I never got to see female athletes play sports like cricket growing up. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't have that to look up to. There's a generation of girls that will have that and a generation of boys that will be exposed to it also. Um, and then some really basic things. So thanks to this tournament, we have lights at Hagley. We've got uh, female-friendly changing facilities at all of our venues um, so that the athletes can do the basic things like go to the toilet before they uh, go on the field. Seems basic, but you can't take it for granted. So there's a huge amount of benefit in the long term. But that, you know, the main thing we can achieve as a legacy for this event is to fill the stadiums, show the world how much New Zealand's behind this sport, and you know, just get everyone excited. So, 17 minutes, I've got it, it's 9, well, 16 minutes now, it's 9.44, Andrea, tell me what I've got to do at 10 o'clock this morning, and how I do it. Sure, go to tickets.cricketworldcup.com, and just book your tickets for any of our events. So we've got Eden Park, Seddon Park, Bay Oval, Basin Reserve, Hagley Oval, and uh, University Oval, those are our venues, so pick the one closest to you, get your friends and family along, and... Uh, yeah, get in quick, particularly, I'd say, for that opening game in Tauranga and the final in Christchurch. I think those are going to be under high demand. Absolutely. Uh, Andrea Nelson, absolutely uh, enjoyed talking to you. Love your positive attitude towards it. I think everyone feeds off that. It's going to be an absolute success anyway. So uh, congratulations on what you've achieved and all the best uh, at 10 o'clock this morning and in the next five months too. Thank you for your support. Uh, thank you, Andrea Nelson there. Of course, uh, she is the CEO of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup.
hosting it here in New Zealand. Tickets uh, going on sale in around about a quarter of an hour's time, which means it's 9.45 here on SENZ. Stumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.50 here on SCNZ. Reese is coming from Dunedin. Why wasn't Sam Kane loaned to another First Division side? Was he not allowed? No disrespect to the Heartland Championship, but I would have thought it wouldn't be as physical nor as fast-paced, and a game like that would surely be more beneficial for him leading into tests in Europe. Um, yeah, interesting point that, because as you say, uh, Reese he would have played for Bay of Plenty this weekend, had they got a match. So, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, I'm, I perhaps uh, think it might, uh, they, they did this on the basis that it wouldn't be such an issue coming in at this level. He'll still get physical contact. It won't be as hard uh, or intense, you would imagine. It might be initially, um, but uh, seriously. Uh, he should be able to, to, to get at what he wants out of the game. Not sure he'll play 80 minutes, probably play 60, uh, just to get, uh, the lungs won't be that flash. How could they possibly be that flash? But uh, he'll be wanting to get a, a, a to test the body, the areas of the body that have given him the trouble for so long. Uh, certainly the, the All Blacks selectors in particular will want to make sure that he comes through that unscathed. So I, I get where you're coming from, Reese, uh, but I would imagine the reason why is because it would have been a bit more of a fuss, there would have been more reaction. And this is more a novelty thing rather than... And, and to be honest, uh, we, make it, we make it an issue, but uh, Wanganui will just get on and play anyway, and I think they'll win comfortably. That would be my pick. Uh, if, if Sam Kane scores seven tries under the post, kicks a few conversions, then uh, Reese, you might be dead right. Yes, John, what, what, uh, you, you're okay with it, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's great for King, Crunch, King, King Country. I think this is one of the best provinces of when I was growing up. Yeah, they were still decent. Uh, and they've kind of just faded away a little bit. Like you talk about Pine Tree Meads playing for them. Uh, I think Martin mm. Johnson, the old England captain, has also Rick. played for them, and now Sam Kane. So I just think these provinces get forgotten. They kind of just dwindle away, and they run out of money, and they run out of good players, and it's very much community-based and focused, and they don't get a lot of time in the spotlight, and they are, have proud history. So it's just great to see a team like King Country back in the in the spotlight and in the headlines against Smithy, and Sky Sports showing it too as well, which I think is extra cool because I think they can only have about – 500 people there or not even they have to be all spread out and everything with the covid regulations so um yeah a sausage sizzle would have done bloody well wouldn't it uh in topo at the weekend it would have absolutely uh, and they probably still they'll probably still have one somehow uh, they'll find a way around it that's a lovely grassy banked area as owen delaney park it's hosted of course cricket internationals over the year under the lights uh, every now and then the lights went out which made it very uh, intriguing too uh, to play a game of cricket in the dark but uh, no that was cool I can tell you uh, when I lived uh, out the back of Taupo for four or five years, I banked at the National Bank. And one day I went in there and uh, I don't know, I probably was withdrawing, I very seldom deposited. Um, but anyway, I went up to the counter and this young bloke said to me, um, I looked at my withdrawal slip and my name on my account. He said, I, are you the, uh, uh, the, the guy that used to play cricket? He said, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, so we had a, a bit of a chat about sport. And I didn't find out till later on it was Martin Johnson. He was working in the National Bank as a teller. So there you go. Interesting. <laughs> Small town, uh, how, how, things, <laughs> how things can come about. Yeah, Martin Johnson, National Bank, Topol. And, uh, yeah, I had a wee chat with him. And then uh, little did I know I'd be interviewing him after uh, Lions and English matches uh, going ahead. 9.53 here on SENZ. Superman! 
Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Oh, very comfortable yesterday. It's not very often I can say that about a multi, but they're never really in doubt of losing it. To be honest, the Chargers were always in control against the, the Raiders. They went up to $1.55. The Mumbai Indians thrashed, re- really did thrash the Rajasthan Royals uh, at a buck fifty-six. And a baseball team, the Oryx Buffaloes, dealt to the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters. Uh, they beat them 9-0, a buck fifty-nine. How easy was that? So, yep, we got one up again. So that's two in a row, $3.84 today. Uh, the greatest rivalry in sport, or one of them, playoff game. Everything on the line today. Yankees to beat the Red Sox at a buck seventy-four. A Brazilian football Serie A match. Corinthians to beat Bahia at that's at a buck fifty-seven. World Cup qualifiers they're going to be played overnight. Jordan to beat Malaysia at a dollar twenty-nine, and Morocco to beat Guinea-Bissau at a dollar twenty-two. Round it out. That will come to four dollars thirty. The big swinger today for me is the Yankees against the Red Sox. That is the challenge in that particular multi. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to be talking Murph and motorsport. And there's uh, quite a few issues to talk about uh, with some young people really making a mark on behalf of New Zealand over there. So uh, listen in very shortly. Greg Murphy here on SENZ. 10.03, Greg Murphy hosts uh, Race Control every Thursday at 7pm here on SENZ uh, along with Stephen McIver uh, and the Supercars legend also joins us every Wednesday at this time to take a look at the world of motorsport and fresh out of gore, I believe, this morning. Greg Murphy, <laughs> please, Murph, what are you, how have you deserted Hawke's Bay for gore? What's dragged you down there? I'm in the deep, deep south and south on yes, uh, been in gore, so yes, doing a Doing a few other duties, light duties, so enjoying uh, escaping Hawke's Bay for a, a few days, mate. It's bloody beautiful down here. Murph, can we begin with um, Liam Lawson? Now, this is a hell of a story, and it's beginning to develop a, a lot more teeth to it as well because he's now uh, looking like he's got a, a Formula One test drive at, at least. You've been championing this bloke for a while. What are his uh, prospects for the next 12 months? Yeah, it's an interesting one, mate, and... and um, uh, yeah, well-deserved achievement to be recognised. And, and, you know, I've been pretty certain, as a lot of people have, and uh, the likes of Gerhard Berger, who runs the DTM championship that Liam is leading at the moment. Um, he's sort of uh, been out there recently uh, pretty confident and positive that uh, Liam's going to end up in a Formula 1 seat before too long. And, and he gets his first chance in Abu Dhabi at the uh, end-of-year uh, rookie test. Um, gets a few laps in the Alpha Tauri, and uh, next year has been confirmed as their um, yeah, junior driver to do uh, free practice one at some of the Grand Prix. So it's it's massive for for motorsport in New Zealand and um, and young drivers. I mean, it, to to have that acknowledgement for him and 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 reach that goal, that part of his goal, which I think is is um, you know setting him up definitely for a future. And, in Formula One, so um, yeah, it's going to be so awesome to see him drive that and get his reaction the first time around. But a massive congratulations, first uh, Kiwi since Brendan Hartley a couple of years ago, who did actually drive Alpha Tauri um, uh, back then. And um, you know, it's, it's great that we've continued the uh, the Kiwi flavour in, in the top echelon of the sport. So, just 
fill us in on that, uh, Murph, in terms of pre-practice, etc. What, 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 what will his role be before the actual uh, number one or two drivers hop into those cars? What, what part of the process and what stage of the week would Liam Lawson be involved? Yeah, so they, they, it'll be on the Friday um, at a Grand Prix. I, I think it's a pretty limited number um, of GPs next year, but it's all, it is becoming part of the regulations for, for Formula One. Um, it has been something that has been done in the past, uh, where they've had uh, Formula One might have put one of their, their test driver or their junior driver in a car to give them some miles in a Formula One uh, car at an event. Um, but I, from what I gather, it is going to actually become part of, of what the teams under regulation need to do moving forward. Um, so he, he will be an integral part of, of that first phase of a Formula One weekend where the teams gather a whole bunch of information um, to, uh, you know, uh, I suppose, confirm a whole, uh, you know, things that they have done in the lead up to an event. Um, there'll be certain testing that he will have to do. That's uh, part of part of uh, a plan for for those teams on the weekend. So it's a it's a pretty integral and important role that'll be played. But we'll set him up for you know uh, maybe a full time seat, you know, in the future. So Mercedes are going to help Team Ineos. We're told the British America's Cup entry. Uh, is there a bit of a crossover in terms of technology between? Formula One race cars and the modern America's Cup boats. Yeah, I think you know the aerodynamic side of it. Um, you know the drag coefficients and um, you know just the downforce, the, the way the wings work, all that kind of stuff. There is there's a there's a, you know and the and the fluid dynamics and the things that they they do with the, all the computer digital uh, kind of calibrations and simulations, all that kind of thing. There's a massive um, you know spin off and, and correlation with that. All you know the designers the people designing and understanding all the stresses and the strains and the, the load structures and all that kind of thing. There's, there's, a, there's a huge correlation between the two and there's a lot of people that uh, you know, train and, uh, in certain areas of those aspects um, who, who, you know, who can work across both platforms very easily. So, yeah, it, doesn't, it seems a bit strange that you have uh, one on a racetrack, um, driving around a racetrack and one on water that doesn't have wheels, mm. uh, finding finding similarities but there, there is a there is a strong crossover so you know it's just all that high tech that technology the telemetry um the data that's being recorded all those kinds of things across both both those different disciplines is um has a yeah a, a lot of synergy and of course both of those uh, both of those things require a lot of money so this outfit must be pretty powerful <laughs> this team Ineos. <laughs> uh incredibly yeah uh the uh, uh, the man there is uh, very, very uh, wealthy, and um, obviously got an interest in both. And, and to have a, a stake in that um, that Formula One team, uh, you've got to be very passionate about that sport as well. So, uh, yes, it's uh, it's an interesting one, but um, one that did sort of raise its head a little bit with the, the last America's Cup. But um, we'll see where that goes in the future. Turkish Grand Prix this weekend, Murph. Uh, Lewis Hamilton's holding a slight lead over Max Verstappen. Uh, this season, it's uh, it's turned out to be a, a really classic rivalry. This one, isn't it? It's one of the best we've had in a while. Um, I'm really enjoying it, you know. And there's the, the, there's, there's been a bit of rock throwing uh, from from each team, and and um, you know, plenty to talk about, uh, especially with what happened at Monza a, a few weeks ago. The Russian Grand Prix was an interesting one. Max Verstappen managed to. Uh, to be in a, the right place at the right time, make some good decisions, really only lose a couple of points to Lewis in this championship fight. And it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, question, you know, um, you've got uh, two teams um, uh, with a little bit of different philosophies in the way they go about building their Formula One.
things very differently in different spaces, and, and that is what makes it interesting. We, we need that competition. We need those roles. Scott McLaughlin ruled out racing at Bathurst this year. That's uh, become official. Uh, I think we saw that was uh, pretty much on the cards, Murph, uh, with the quarantine restrictions, etc., and the fact that he probably needs a rest after that IndyCar season anyway. Uh, we may have lost uh, Greg Murphy down there in Gore, as they say, with uh, the rolling R, which is a shame, really. We'll try and get him back. There's a couple of uh, issues I'd like to, to continue to talk uh, to Murph about. Yeah, but the Turkish Grand Prix this weekend, um, that'll be most interesting. Um, and uh, as you say, that rivalry, I love it when there's, uh, you know, the, these Formula One races and these Formula One competitions go absolutely down to the wire because... It, uh, it just adds a little bit of a dynamic to so often in the last season or two, last season or three, uh, they've been very much uh, one uh, one team competitions because of the power and the design of the motor vehicles. But to, to see rivalries coming to the fore again is great. Um, if I was just going to uh, bring up the, the Scott McLaughlin situation, uh, no Bathurst this year, it's been confirmed. No great surprise though, the restrictions in Australia, of course, and uh, the IndyCar season, which has been long but ever so successful for them. Yeah, I think um, uh, it's one of those situations. I, I, I think he probably would have uh, been able to get get over to Australia, but it's um, it's about getting back out and getting back to America. It's probably just going to be all too too hard. I know how disappointed he is because I, I had a big chat to him about that, um, you know, a week or so ago, and and he was really keen to try and make it happen. But you know, the focus is now um, America, and and you know, there's there's a whole lot of stuff on his radar moving forward. But yeah, huge achievement, you know, to be that uh, that rookie of the year, and and I, I was really good to actually hear how um, how how happy he was with that. You know, there was lots of goals that he had that he might not have quite achieved, but I think he has actually realised how how um, you know how much of a job and what a great job he he actually did this year, and he's he's um, accepted that. So that was that was really positive. I'm just really looking forward to to seeing, you know, that, that second year and, and what that brings for him because that experience he gained this, gained this year and being able to go back to places year two and jump in the car and know exactly what to expect, um, you know, is, is, a, is a huge advantage. And, and a lot of guys had that on him this year um, and he will be in that, in that phase next year where, where it won't be such a big learning curve. South Island Endurance Series, of course, over the weekend, we have it. Covered here on SENZ. What was the wash-up of that? Yeah, I think, listen, it was great for everybody and, and some big fields, you know. Um, they, they actually ended up having to split uh, the one-hour race into two one-hour races because of uh, oversubscription of, of cars. So it clearly shows the, um, you know, how keen everyone was to, to get racing again. It was postponed by around a month, over a month. Um, and uh, the three-hour was, was reasonably well subscribed, down a few cars that weren't able to get out of Auckland. But, um, yeah, it's successful, very successful again, and, and um, you know, they get back into action, not this weekend, next weekend, and at Tamaru, and then uh, down at Te Rotonga the, the following week. So the quick succession, they're getting through the South Island Endurance Series at the moment, and, um, you know, it, it's good for them to be able to, to get, get everyone out there and competing and, and enjoying, um, you know, going racing again. So... Uh, there's a lot of that to, to sort of take place in the, in the next month or so. Uh, we just talked before about the, the rivalry between uh, Hamilton and Verstappen, which uh, brings to mind, of course, the, the rivalry between Murphy and Ambrose. Uh, uh, what, what was that like back Does in the it? day? Because 
yeah, it does. It does. It's written in front of me. I know it does. So here, here we go. Um, you know, when you when you hop in a car and you know there's uh, one bloke in particular who's got his eye on you and you've got an eye on him, how, how, how much more does that make you focus? Yeah, it's it's um, one of those subliminal pieces of thinking that you you try to control, right? You know that you don't want to don't want to allow to to get um, too strong in, in in what you're actually trying to achieve, and and uh, you know it it never helps with uh, these days. Well, it didn't help back then. It certainly doesn't help these days with you know with that that mm-hmm. focus from from the media as well that keeps you know, referring to it all the time. And and but but that is that's what sport is is all about and you know and at the time when it's happening for you certainly i remember when it was uh, happening with me and and uh marcus way back when it was a pretty strong rivalry you know you you're annoyed by it it's not something that you, you you're enjoying and want to be a part of but then when you look back on it all those years later and see what a significant uh you know sort of part it played through you know that that time um you know it's you sort of look back and, and see it very, very differently, and, and enjoy, uh, you know, what it all meant and what it did, and and how it uh, created conversation and how it created, you know, split between the the red and the blue, and 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 the fans depending on who they were supporting, and 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 it's it's something actually to be, you know, look back and be not uh, yeah, so he's proud of to be a part of something like that mm. because it doesn't doesn't happen all that often, and and it was it was really significant and it was passionate. You know, and that's what it was about. It was because you were you're passionate about what you believed, and 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 that's okay. You know, those those things are good. You need to embrace that stuff, and and um, you know, that's what people who enjoy sport and, and enjoy watching the battle. You know, that's what they want. They want to have those points mm. of interest and, and 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 disagreement because that's that is healthy as long as it doesn't get, um, you know, to a point where it gets out of control and gets abusive and and, and gets silly. You're you're allowed to have opinions. You don't have to agree. And it, and, it, and it creates good sporting stories and history. And you, of course, would never get involved in that kind of thing to that level, Murph, would you? Well, I was never, you know, I, just, you know, I was always trying to avoid it, Smithy. You know, it was, yeah, it was okay. the thing. Yeah. Fair enough. Hey, mate, the, the other thing we did yesterday, um, we had a, a real close look at fathers and son combinations in sport around the world. And every time we All looked right. at one, uh, every second one was a motor racing one. The Andrettis, the Petties, the Answers, the Earnharts, the Shoemakers, the Villeneuves, uh, the, the Hills, the Rossbergs. They just keep coming out. What is it about <laughs> father and son and motor racing? Uh, I don't think I've actually really delved into it before, but you're right. I mean, it's, um, it is incredibly significant. I mean, uh, it, it is, it's happened in so many different different. Um, Areas and, and and eras eras of the sport, obviously generational, but mm. it's um it is it's so significant and and uh, following the footsteps. And I mean, I've been trying to avoid that with um, with my son massively, although he is doing some car racing. And it, you know, it's mm. I think um, it, it's just one of those 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 steps that happens. And when you're immersed in it, I mean, we do see it with lots of other sport as well, but. Yeah, it, it has been so significant, and and it's the success of those generations too, how they've followed through. And look, you know, Carlos Sainz is another one that comes to to memory. Although his father, mm-hmm. Carlos Sainz Senior, was was a world rally champion, not a mm-hmm. not a you know Formula One racing car driver. So that's that's quite a different kind of era a split in different um, mm-hmm. disciplines massively, uh, which is which I think is amazing, actually incredible that Carlos Sainz Junior is 
has managed to get into Formula One and drive for Ferrari and be so successful. And so yeah, significant stories there. It's um, it's uh, it is worth probably. I don't I don't think anyone actually has really actually delved into it and done a done a documentary or a story around that. That's a good one. You've just uh, created an idea there, Smithy. It's the DNA, mate. It's the DNA of racing. So uh, I look forward to hearing more about it on Race Control on um, one Thursday at seven pm. Meanwhile, uh, you're on tomorrow night uh, with MacIver. Enjoy your uh, stay down in the deep south, mate. Uh, and we'll see you back in yeah. the bay, quick smart, eh? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Back up there tonight. But also, just uh, for those listening, uh, we'll have Neil Crompton on tomorrow night live. Uh, he's just released a new yep. book, uh, which will be an absolute gem. That will be a very good read. He's a very intelligent man with lots of stories, and and so he's going to be on tomorrow night, having a good chat to uh, him about his book and and things, all things motorsport. So be worth a listen. Good on you, Murph. Uh, travel safe. It's ten eighteen here on SCNZ. Uh, and when we return, we shall have the panel this morning, Andrew Gordy and Jordan Oppert, making her debut. Talk, talk, then talk to me, yeah. Joined by Andrew Gordy, a long-time panellist for, uh, for us here on SENZ, of course, of News Hub fame, and uh, a very warm welcome to Jordan Oppert this morning from uh, TVNZ in Christchurch. And Jordan, can we start with you, please? Thanks for joining us, giving us some of your time. Cup week. Cup week down in Christchurch, uh, we're led to believe is still very much in the balance. We spoke to Tim Mills at Canterbury Racing yesterday. He said he can leave it as late as the first week in November to, to make a decision on uh, crowds, etc. Uh, it's really important, is it, down there that, that, that this fires up? Yeah, good morning, Sophie. Thanks for having me. And good morning, Gordy, as well. Yeah, so we're waiting on that October 19 D-Day, uh, which is kind of when they've said that they need to make a decision by. But I think, look, it's pretty unlikely it's going to go ahead at full scale, which is a huge shame for not only those on the track, but all of us off it. It's the biggest week, you know, on the social calendar down here. I think it brings in around $30 million or something crazy like that into the economy. Um, And, like, look, I don't know anyone that hasn't booked leave for the week off. You know, everyone makes a real week of it. It's Canterbury anniversary here on the Friday, so that's show day. It's a huge week, and I think the fact it might not go ahead in the traditional sense is not only a tough pill you know, for the organisers to swallow, but also the public too, because we haven't had a case here in a long time. I think you mentioned yesterday, Smithy, over 100 and something days. Um, and, you know, like I think it's a real shame we're not already at level one, and I think while people can understand why, it's just a tough one. And I think it's naive to think that at some point we won't get a COVID case here, but like, how good would it have been for the government to come out and say, look, let's give these vaccine passports a go at this event. It's been going on for donkey's years. It's on the calendar every year. You know, double vax, you can get in. You know, no vaccine, no go. I don't know, something like that might have been able to float. I, I, look, I'm, I'm with you, Jordan. It's actually closer to 300 days than 100 days since you've had a case down there. It's absolutely staggering. Uh, I, I can't imagine anywhere else in the world uh, which had a clean sheet for that long, being ignored for that long. But that's just me. Andrew Gordy, you, of course, uh, have a background at Cup Week because uh, as a youngster, you'd have gone along there stone cold sober and left in a hell of a mess. Um, your memories and, and your importance to, uh, of Cup Week uh, in Christchurch. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Jordan. Um, yeah, look, oh, Smithy, I, I can absolutely remember um, every single one of my um, Cup Day experiences, you know, from start to finish, um, you know, just really crystal clear memories of uh, every single aspect of it. Um, it, it, is, it is really sad. And I, and I think, um, just to follow up on your point there, 
Uh, I feel so sorry for the people of Christchurch around this in particular because, and, and to be perfectly honest, the entire South Island, like COVID has really, by and large, been an Auckland problem and Aucklanders have obviously done it very tough, um, especially in, in recent months. And the fact that a, 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 an iconic event like, like Cup Day, Cup Week, um, is not going to be able to go ahead at full capacity just seems so so desperately unfair and, and almost irrational. Um, and, and I totally agree. I mean, this idea of vaccine passports, I think, is absolutely um, outstanding. It's something that has to, has to go ahead in, in society, um, not just in New Zealand, but right across the world. And I totally agree. Like, this would have been an ideal starting point for, for the COVID um, you know, vaccine passport, I suppose. Um, if you are double vaxxed, you can get in. And Smithy, I've got to say, I'll be absolutely gutted because um, you, you may know that um, Kate and, and the mother-in-law will, will be racing um, at, at Rickerton uh, during Cup Week on the on the Wednesday, and uh, we'll be gutted if we can't go down and, and see him race. And yeah, it'll be we were down there last year uh, to watch him race, mm. so yeah, it'll be pretty disappointing if we can't see him this time around. I would imagine there might be an onus clause, though, for you important people that can afford a horse of that nature too, George, I, I, would, I would think. <laughs> and, then, and, of course, be, do, do, do be a favour, <laughs> And being in the media, of course, Gords, as well, you're an essential servant, so uh, you've got about five reasons to be down there. We might have to pull some levers, Malia, I think, for that to happen. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. You might want to pull some levers gourds on the ashes because uh, that's coming to a critical point, isn't it? I, I, I can't quite believe this story. Neither can I, Smithy, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, well, well, first thing, I, I will, will say this. I do think the ashes will go ahead. And in fact, some of the, some of the noise you're sort of hearing out of the UK this morning, uh, people like Michael Vaughan, uh, who will be obviously pretty close to the situation and close to how the players are feeling about this, he's... He's tweeted indicating that he thinks the Ashes will, will go ahead and that most of the players will be, um, most of the first-choice players, I should say, will be available for it. Um, but look, let's face it, cricket, cricket is one of those sports, I think, that has been, um, COVID has been particularly brutal on, on cricket, I think, because, I mean, just look at the Black Caps at the moment. These guys are overseas for extended periods, bubble life, back-to-back bubbles, Quarantine, like it is, it is particularly rough, I think, on, on cricketers. Um, but let's face it, like players from around the world have been doing this um, for for months and, and you know, year, almost years now. Um, I think it'd be kind of ridiculous if the English team didn't sign up to doing this in Australia, which is the country which has proven that they can do this. I mean, they've been doing it for the NRL, they've done it for the Rugby Championship. What, why shouldn't England's cricketers go down under it and be able to do this? And really, it's up to the organisers to come up with a way to be able to get families in there so that, um, so that they can make it as, as easy as possible or, or, I suppose, as livable as possible. But this thing's got to go ahead, surely. Yeah, surely. Uh, Jordan, please stay with us and to uh, you too, Gords. When we come back after the news, Jordan, I'd really like to talk to you too uh, about the cricket, but also uh, the Farah Palmer Cup because I understand you are running a very close eye over the Canterbury preparations. So we'll be back shortly. Here's, here's Trudy. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy and Jordan Oppert are joining us this morning on the panel. Jordan based down there in Christchurch. And I understand that you may or may not have popped along to uh, training for the Canterbury women's team, FPC final, Farah Cup final coming up. 
this weekend without a lot of stars, though. Yeah, I was there last night, Smithy, and let me tell you, they're absolutely fizzing. You could have he- heard their speakers from the Port Hills, I reckon. It was a uh, full noise down there. Look, this is a side that has, you know, no shortage of finals expe- uh, experience. They're full-time defending champs. And I know they don't have those black ferns this weekend, and that's a real bummer for both sides. But there's a word called depth that gets bandied around a bit. You might have, might have heard of it. <laughs> Canterbury has stacks of it. You know, they have Grace Steinmetz, Georgia Miller, Lucy Jenkins. The other thing they have is culture, and I believe theirs is second to none. You know, you hear down there last night, as I said, the music is pumping. They were smashing plates or something in the, in the um, like, <laughs> the ching before they came out. Um, you know, the, the more experienced players were there nurturing the young ones, the respect they have for their coach, Blair Baxter, and vice versa. There's a real uh, professional banter about the team. Um, but you could argue Waikato, you know, they'll be in the same boat. They're effectively in a, tr- in a camp week long in Cambridge this weekend. So that's a real, t- uh, this week rather, because of COVID. So that's a real chance to bond as well. So yes, it would have been great to see those Blacksons in there. And I think it's a real shame we're not going to. But it's a great opportunity for some of these younger players who are up and comers to step up into the fold. And I think we'll have a really exciting game at Rugby Park on Saturday. Uh- can I just change subjects, but not necessarily um, up-and-comers? Uh, Reese Walsh has been dished out to, um, his fine, etc. What did you make of that whole thing? And his fine seems to be a little more harsh than perhaps uh, those of the Storm players who are much more experienced and perhaps should have known better for longer. Yeah, so as far as I can tell, Smitty, or as far as I can see, it, it looks like Reese has been given... Uh, a, a ban, or so his his ban in terms of suspension is, is harsher, but that's the financial fines for the for the Storm players, in particular for Munster and Smith, are a little harsher. And I suppose the only thing I can kind of read into that is is maybe the the fines are are like taken as a percentage of their salary or something like that. Um, maybe that's got something to do with it. I'm not sure, but it does seem a little bit stiff on Reese Walsh that. And I do wonder what sort of example this sets, that he is the one who fronted up on his own free will and, and was accountable, showed some, um, yeah, showed some accountability, I suppose, and admitted what had happened, um, admitted that he'd been caught with cocaine. And yet, yesterday, you've got these guys fronting up and clearly under duress, reading from statements, um, and, and the fuss that surrounded... Um, their inability to explain what was on the table, and it's all pretty obvious to everyone um, who, who can see this, um, and, and they, they get away with a, a lesser, lesser suspension. Um, I thought that was a bit rough, to be perfectly honest, and I'm not really sure what sort of example, like I say, the NRL are trying to set um, with the fines and suspensions that they lay out there. Uh, Jordan, I just wonder this weekend, the Silver Ferns have named their uh, squad this morning. Uh, for this series uh, against the men, the Aotearoa men's team. Uh, how do you feel about that series? Does it, uh, does it interest you greatly, or uh, particularly on the back of uh, that series uh, against uh, the English Rose that you would have been down there for? Yeah, look, I think this one is crucial, really. I mean, we saw what happened against the Roses. They were unprepared. They had 72 hours to get ready for that uh, series. I mean, as a result of that, we saw, you know, three pretty serious injuries at the time. I mean, it's great to see that Gina and Tiana will be back this week, but those are injuries, they're abductor strains. They come around from just not being, you know, prepared, not being ready for it. So they really need this time together at the very least, this training camp, 
you know, for the next four days in the capital heading into that series against the men. And I think it's a chance as well to test some of these combinations because, you know, like the likes of Grace Nowicki, she's, she's brilliant, but she came on against the Roses and I think really struggled. And so that won't be good for her confidence. They need to get that back up. Of course, they're leading into a World Cup and Commonwealth Games a year. The longer we go on, this bloody COVID, I don't think they'll be getting this Constellation Cup um, you know, in the bag either. So they really need to lap up any netball that they can. And, you know, this men's side's great as well. Um, and, and even better, you know, uh, not this is not a plug by any means, but it's free to air on, on tally as well. So we can watch these, you know, these spectacles. And I, I think, yeah, we do need to see these ferns really ramp up now and really test, you know, the strengths and, you know, find out where these weaknesses are and really gel together as a squad because they haven't had a lot of that this year. Okay, just uh, finally for you, uh, Jordan, too, I'd, I'd really like to know um, how do you feel about Sam Kane playing for King Country against Whanganui this weekend? Look, I'm absolutely stoked. I know the Kane personally, um, maybe so. Yeah, I'm absolutely sizzling. I messaged his sister Leah and I said, oh, my God, back to Heartland Rugby, and she, yeah, she was pumped as well. I'm stoked for him. Um, you know, he's had a real tough grind in the last, you know, six months with that injury. And I guess right now he'd love to be overseas, but he, he can't. And if this is the best he's got, well, what a hit out. You know, how cool as well to be chucking on the, uh, the same jersey that Sue Colin Meads once wore. I think it'll be, yeah, I think it'll be great. And um, I just hope he goes well. I really hope he does. And it's such a character team as well. What, what were we saying last night? They've got forestry workers, builders. You know, a whole, a whole bunch of people. And how cool to have, you know, the All Blacks captain jumping in. Good God, I didn't realise you were that well connected. We're going to ring you every morning. Oh, God, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if you want me. I think it's desperate times today, isn't it? I heard you. I heard no, you hell no. At the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> hell no. Hell no, we won't be at all. <laughs> You're on our list, girl. Don't you worry about that. Thank you so much. Gords, uh, you'll be hot-footing it down to Owen Delaney Park, I'm sure, to cover this big one. Mate, it's going to be huge, isn't it? And, and like, what a what a brilliant story. Like, an All Blacks captain playing Heartland Rugby. It's just, it's just perfect. And, and like, Good on, good on them for organising this because it's so much better than Sam turning out the Bay of Plenty, right? I mean, that, that, that's great in itself. But playing Heartland Championship Rugby, and like you say, Jordan, like all, the, all the stories around that, um, you know, his teammates will just be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's such a cool experience for them. And it's similar to what we saw with Dan Carter, right, when he went, when he went back to play mm. Southbridge. It's just a, such a a cool experience um, and a cool spectacle as well. Uh, experience, great experience for the players, a great spectacle for the fans. And, yeah, like, like I say, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, pull on the jumper, and I'm sure some of the opposition players will, will be uh, maybe eyeing him up as well. OK, uh, thanks very much, you two. Jordan, outs- absolutely outstanding debut. Uh, really um, one of the best we've had. Uh, and Gordy, as always, Andrew Gordy, uh, quality, absolute quality uh, for us here on the panel. And we'll have another one. Another one tomorrow morning at the same time. Now, it's 10.39 here on SCNZ, and out the corner of my eye, I think I might have seen a a scoop about one of our more famous rugby league players. So uh, John Day will have details for that after this break. New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
10.45 and uh, every now and then uh, we play that music because uh, something happens uh, that we weren't expecting. It's uh, otherwise known as a scoop, John, and you have it. Breaking news. Yep, Smithy Manu Vatave, former warrior, man known as the Beast, has pleaded guilty to the importation of methamphetamine. Former warrior, of course, appeared in court at the Monaco District Court today. The charge carries a maximum penalty of life in prison. Vatuve is said, uh, set to be sentenced in December. The plea nearly brings to an end a nearly two-year saga, including 18 months, which was identified as only one of the biggest names in New Zealand sport, but then he lost name suppression. Uh, Vatuve uh, was one of four people arrested in 2019 following a joint investigation with counties Monaco Police and Customs into methamphetamine supply smithy. So... Manu Vatave, we loved him, loved him for the Warriors for years at Mount Smart, cult figure, uh, one of the greatest rugby league players we've had, uh, one of the greatest wingers in the NRL, guilty to importing methamphetamine smithy, this is not good. No, well he had name suppression for such a long time John, and of course at that point rumours were floating around as to who it was, they always do, and that's the ugly side of it, um, but finally it was revealed that it was it was Manu Vatave, and, and now of course... Um, everyone will uh, speculate, everyone will climb in, but everyone will speculate just what the punishment will be um, and, and what kind of perhaps deal they're doing behind the scenes uh, on this guilty plea. So uh, it may be jail in, involved here. I'm not quite sure about that, but here we're talking about a cult figure in New Zealand sport, an absolute cult figure, a big name. Um, and uh, I'd really like your opinions on this, folks, Double eight, double three. If you uh, want to join in uh, and text us, uh, you could be in with Text of the Week for a temper pillow worth 299 bucks. And the best, best text of the month, they'll be flying around about this, I promise you. Uh, we'll win a temper queen package, including a temper queen mattress, uh, a queen adjustable base to the bed as well, and two temper pillows valued at 10 grand. 10 grand. Uh, sleep on it. I'm not sure Manu will be sleeping on it too well, to be perfectly honest, to put a bad phrase on it, but uh, that's that's the nature of it, John. Uh, this is very serious, and uh, jail beckons, I suppose. Jail beckons, does it? I would think so, Smithy. Like, this isn't mucking around. This is the importation of the worst drug in New Zealand that is just an absolute scourge on society all around New Zealand. So to import methamphetamine, I can't say you're going to be led away with a slap on the hand with a wet bus ticket like th- this isn't like um what reese walsh or brandon smith and that have been doing uh that, that's small bickies compared to this smithy um and manu vatave i feel almost sorry for him that it seems to me he didn't really have a plan after rugby league um i, I heard he was on the tools doing road work and stuff after his career came to an end he remember he went to the super league but had a bad injury i think it might have been his knee and just his career ended before he could really, really cash in, and I'm not sure whether he had uh, a good plan or good friends around him. Um, I know, he, and he himself has admitted, uh, he does have connections in some gangs around New Zealand, some of his mates in there, so that may help him if he does end up in prison, but um, it's helped him get to this point, which is a terrible and very sad point for one of the greats of New Zealand Rugby League. So I'm very sad, and I'm also upset um, that Manu's made these decisions in his life. Um to get himself in this situation. So, yeah, a bit of a mixture of emotions, Smithy. Yeah, well, as the text already come in, there's no name attached to it, but it probably will be uh, part of a whole lot of text that says, simply throw the book at him. So many kids have looked up to him for so long, and that is that is a, a moot point, to be fair. Uh, other texts that have come in, and, and we'll, we'll keep our, our finger on the pulse of this uh, Manu Vatavai story, um, pled guilty, so what will happen in December when he goes to court 
to be sentenced. So plenty of texts uh, coming in on that. Um, but also, uh, Joe, I really like Joe's input on this. Uh, he always comes in with some good stuff to us. I appreciate his uh, input to the show. I admit, I don't know all the details, but an important difference between Reese and the others, says Joe. Reese was caught by the police and may as well own up. Others may be in far more legal difficulties if they openly admitted criminal actions. So, interesting point there. Uh, Peter comes in with uh, a fairly valid remark. Uh, one that I've been considering for a long, long time, and I'm sure if you lived in the South Island, you would too. I wonder what the levels would be if the South Island had COVID and Auckland had no cases for over a year. What would the level in Auckland be? What do you reckon? Uh, would they be sitting around waiting suspended? Uh, no, of course they wouldn't be. That's the short answer to that, Peter. Uh, and uh, the boat, the boat has come in on Sam Kane playing. Uh, great range of texts this morning, John. Uh, Re-Sam playing at lower rugby level. Oh, it's a good thing. I played 10-plus years of Hawke Cup cricket, and when we played Southland or Central Otago, they always had their first-class players playing and sometimes current test players. And I'll bet my bottom dollar the boat that Robert Jumbo Anderson was one of those players as well. Uh, throw the book at him. Do the crime. Do the time. That's Paul from Dunedin. So there you go. Uh, already, uh, you have words. Two words uh, coming in also on another text. Two words, rugby league. Rugby league. Liz has come in and said celebrity or sports stars can be criminals too. It's hard because we won't even know why he has decided this path after such a great career. I feel for his family. Thanks very much, uh, sad Liz, uh, for that one. Very, very true aspect as well. Thanks for your text. Uh, we will have a, a short break and when we come back, we'll head to the TAB and to our favourite son, Louis Herman Watt as well. NZ Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis Herman Watt joins us fresh, I should say, from uh, the breakfast show. And uh, Louis, as you well know, Taupo today on a slow nine, 10 races, good fields. Yeah, good fields, Smithy. Gee, uh, not, this isn't racing, but isn't that sad news about Manu Rafa? i just seen that coming through. Yeah. Um, that's, that's terrible, mate. That's, that's honestly, yeah. that sort of... Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, this is racing, but I I'm sure, couldn't, couldn't help it. Yeah, I'm sure that you, you'll be able to do something with it with uh, Izzy and yourself tomorrow morning. There'll be someone that uh, will want to speak on his behalf or against him, whatever you like. But uh, it'll be good content uh, for the next few days, I think. Yeah, I'm sure um, there's many league fans, Warriors fans, Kiwis fans out there kind of hearing that news and, and reeling, really. Um, wanting to have their say, so oh, that's what you see in Vids for. We're here, a sounding board, aren't we, Smithy? Um, good fields today, yep. Carpo. You bang on. Yep, there are some lovely fields today, and uh, we spoke to Marcy this morning, and she said that the track, unfortunately, probably won't get to that kind of, it won't be to that good range, um, but it will be soft and hopefully can dry to about a seven-ish. It was his kind of gut, and he's got a couple in today that has been punted off the map, sophistical. In race six, number nine, with Danielle Johnson doing the riding, into $3.30. His only fear was if the track doesn't get better and it does chop up on the inside, the one draw can be a little bit niggly. But he's got chances across the board, and Danielle Johnson, we know how she can ride. Um, she's paired up with a lot of his chances. And another, and a Tiakal runner getting its second start today, which I followed closely on debut for third, Zaitaku. Oh, Zaitaku. I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation, but this is in race number three. Second up, gets barrier eight. There's been a couple come out in this race, so it's not a massive field. Dark Destroyer for um, uh, the Wexford Sable was the clear threat, but I'm interested to see how Zaitaku goes today. 
very well-bred Savile Colt out of Miss Opulence. Um, so we'll be watching closely, and I'm sure Jamie Richards would like to strike there. But some good fields, and today, Smithy, we get markets for the weekend, and there is some sensational racing, including the Turak Handicap, which we've got I'm Thunderstruck, um, and Elephant. They're going to go head-to-head with Tafane, so a huge New Zealand contingent and New Zealand um, presence in that race, the Group 1 Turak Handicap over at Caulfield. Thanks very much, Louis. As always, straight across to the TAB where Paul Moati is waiting for us, Paul. Uh, in terms of sport today, I guess the big clash is the Yankees and the Red Sox in that playoff game, but what else is on? Uh, well, we've got the uh, races up at uh, Topol today, so we've got a bonus back promotion on races one and two at Topol today. Uh, check out all the T's and C's at the TAB website. Uh, but I've got, I've got Bit of news for you as well, Smitty. Uh, we're doing away with the a credit card deposit fees. Um, and to celebrate this, um, if you make a deposit of $10 or more, uh, you'll receive a $10 bonus bet uh, in your account. Um, once again, go to the TAB website for all the T's and C's. Uh, it's only available once per customer and this offer is valid until the 13th of October. So no more credit. Uh, We've done away with the credit card fees. And to celebrate, if you make a $10 or more deposit from now until the end of the 13th of October, which is next week, you'll get a $10 bonus bet in your account. Good on you, Paul. Thanks very much, uh, as always. Uh, for coming in at this time for us. Yes, racing at Topo today, of course. Uh, also, big race day on Australia. Wednesdays traditionally are uh, lead-up races for maybe the weekend uh, and horses to keep an eye on for the future. Uh, after the break, we're going to go to women's rugby. China Hohepa, captain of Waikato. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. here on SCNZ and while the NPC and is, a, is in a bit of doubt the Farah Palmer Cup will reach its conclusion this weekend uh, Manawatu take on Hawks Bay in the championship final and in the big dance the really big one it's a replay of last year's match between Waikato against Canterbury and that's for the premiership title and joining us now from Waikato is uh, their captain China Hohepa good morning to you China uh, how are you feeling uh, this uh, far out from the big occasion Oh, um, I think it's slowly starting to kick in and the nerves are um, definitely there. Um, just thinking about it every night, I'm, I think I'm losing sleep over it, actually. <laughs> well, it's it's time you beat them, isn't it? It's time you got your hands on that trophy. Oh, that would be one thing I would absolutely love to do, yes. <laughs> well, you've had, to, you've had a bit of a disruption because, of course, Waikato teams have had to relocate out of Hamilton into Cambridge. Uh, tell, us, tell us a wee bit uh, about how that's gone going down. Uh, yeah, so I think when the lockdown happened, um, we were able to relocate some of our players and I think it was just the best opportunity to keep everyone safe and follow the rules of um, what was required from NZRU. So yeah, really awesome. Uh, everyone's bought into that okay? So uh, no stress or no drama? Yeah, no, really good, and they're doing really well, so um, it's looking cool. It's looking very exciting. You're a kihi-kihi girl yourself, of course. Um, <laughs> so what is the build-up? What does it look like now from uh, here till game day for, for Waikato? 
Uh, so we've got one more training on Thursday um, where we're gathering. Um, and we're pretty much just going over, like, physically we can't do any more at the moment. So it's all about our mental preparation and focusing on how we can prepare um, ourselves moving forward and just sort of overcoming all the barriers that have happened at the moment. And, yeah, just staying really connected as a unit. Actually, uh, said some uh, interesting things in just one sentence there for me because... As you say, the mental side of it. Now, you had to make nine changes, uh, which was one of the other barriers, to, to actually beat Wellington. Uh, you lost all your, your nine black ferns. So that was an amazing achievement uh, to, to come through and win that and test the depth that you've got. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, it just showcases how much depth that we carry within our region. And, um, you know, we believe in every single member in our squad as well as those that don't get to strip every week um, but that just plays a huge part in um, our culture within the environment and the support that we have from our union so it's really cool to see and especially and with the up and coming uh, That's what I was going to say the up and comers, I mean they haven't experienced finals footy uh, and so for this the big occasion you talk about the mental build up, that will be crucial for those members Oh, definitely. I think it's crucial for all of us too. Like um, with the new and experience, we do have different mindsets, but if we can control the uncontrollable and just focus on what we need to do together as a team, um, we can overcome any barrier that comes at us. And I think we're strong enough as a squad to be able to do that. So um has got 100% belief and trust in our systems and um our environment to get the job done. So, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. We're talking to China Hohepa, the captain of the Waikato Palmer Cup team, of course, grand final this weekend against Canterbury. Normally you'd have your sister alongside you, Carla, <laughs> uh, and normally you'd have uh, Chelsea Alley calling the shots. So have you been able to tap into their experience in this build-up? Yeah, definitely. They um, always give me tips on what to do, but... Uh, the best thing that I can do is pretty much just focus on my own role and do my job um, correctly and everything else will fall into place. Um, you don't want to overthink too much or take over anyone else's role on the field. So um, a big thing that I've taken away is just do my job really well and, um, yeah, that'll help everyone else to be able to do their job too. So, yeah, team effort. Have Having said that, though, China, you, you have to make key decisions. I, I know this, you know, you with uh, these days the communications can be from the sideline, etc. Uh, but in tight situations, and this probably will be, you're going to have to make uh, crucial decisions about kicking here or your tactics, taking a scrum, etc. Um, how are you enjoying that side of the of the gig? Um, I'm pretty lucky with my leadership group around me. Um, so. Our communication is key, and I just discussed with our kickers um, if they feel confident with the range, then I'm 100% trusting in them to make the right decision for them as well. Um, I know that's not pressure on them. I'm just trusting that they can know how far they can kick. So if they're confident and they want to take the goal, then I'll let them take the goal. And then, like, if they decide that they don't want to take the goal, then I'll make the decision of what we're going to do next. So I think it's just believing in each other and trusting in what they're confident in and allowing them to do that without putting the pressure well, on them. Often when you, you get into final situations, it's your senior players that 
your key players that you look to to uh, carry that extra burden. Um, uh, Victoria Edmonds uh, is alongside you. Uh, Tanika Willison, also very key uh, in her involvement. Uh, where, for instance, uh, can you tell us where she'll be playing, first five or fullback? Uh, I don't think it's been decided yet, so I'm not too sure, but somewhere in the back line. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the back line. Hey, last, last year's... Last year, you don't like most rugby players and, and captains. You don't give much away, do you? Uh, last year's <laughs> last year's final was uh, an epic. I mean, I w- remember watching it. It was just so close, and it has been so frustrating uh, for you uh, not to, to get up on that particular performance. Uh, is that is that a bit mo- more motivating? And, and did you learn any lessons from that with the squad you've got going to this one? Um, I think last year um, it still hurt. But then this year is a whole new environment, whole new team. So we sort of just got to not think about what happened last year and go with what we have at the moment and use like our talent that we have now and our diversity to perform our own performance this season. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a bit different. I'm, I'm more of the one that just let go of what happened last year and focus on this year because it's all new members in the squad and a new season so we've just got to see how we go and focus on us really well you won't have to worry about uh, Kendra Cox Edge and, and they've lost some uh, black ferns as well so I guess in a way uh, they're feeling uh, pretty much in a similar situation to you Canterbury yeah 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 it's definitely you know everyone's going to be nervous and the pressure's going to be on but I think if we do our own roles right um, yeah everything else will happen well, the growth of women's rugby is, is undoubted. Uh, of course, uh, the women's sevens team in the Olympics and, and now the Farah Palmer Cup getting more and more profile. Uh, China, it goes a long way. And, and today, the confirmation coming through about a Super Rugby or Piki, which is extremely exciting. You played in the inaugural uh, Super Game for women with uh, the Chiefs uh, against the, the Auckland Blues as such. Uh, tell us about that experience and, and how much you're looking forward to playing for the Chiefs again. Um, that was a really unreal experience. It was something that I had always dreamt of doing, but I never knew it would become a reality. So getting the opportunity to put that jersey on um, meant a lot to me and my family. Um, but yeah, I think if I get the opportunity again, I'll definitely take it with um, two open arms and just, yeah, take it all in, learn from everything and really push myself to see how far I can go. So um, that'll be exciting. But there's so many talents out there, so much talent out there. Like, I'll definitely put my hand up, but it's going to be a tough one. So feel sorry for the selectors, really. <laughs> and one of those will be, in your particular case, uh, Alan Bunting, who's uh, we've been told is, is going to be uh, the head coach for the Chiefs going forward into this. So... A man with a lot of experience in handling uh, women's rugby. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that'll be amazing. They've definitely got an amazing coach on board and um, definitely think he can take it to the next level. So that'll be exciting for the Chiefs region. Okay. Okay, hey, China. Uh, look, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, all the best with your preparation uh, for the rest of the week. Hope it goes unhitched. And uh, all the best uh, for taking it off those Cantabrians. Uh, I personally <laughs> would quite like to see you. Quite like to see that personally myself. So there you go. Look, good luck doing it. Eh? I hope you enjoy it, and I hope uh, 
You come home with a smile on your face. Yes, thank you very much. It was nice to talk to you. Okay. And you too as well. That's uh, China Ho folks. Uh, uh, yep, captain of Waikato, and uh, they t- take on Canterbury uh, this weekend for the Farah Palmer Cup. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. All live on Sky as well, of course. 11.13 here. Uh, we'll take a, a, a minuscule break, as we often do, uh, and John will come back with some more of those texts. That breaking news on Manu Vadavai has really uh, got the people coming forward, and I think it will continue to do so for quite some time. Water New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, you're hot on this, and uh, understandably so. Manu Vadave has pled guilty this morning in uh, Manukau District Court, so uh, he will be sentenced in December. So let's get into the molly, has said uh, Smithy. No coming back from this for Manu. Uh, importing crack is utterly immoral. Don't know the extent of it, but should expect jail. Steve says, throw the book at him. You can't tell me if it was out there that he had, he was in financial difficulties with his profile, he wouldn't have got help. There would have been plenty of opportunities for him. He took what he thought was the easy way and in the process has played a part in stuffing up a lot of other people's lives. Passionate there from Steve. A real shame that this is the direction he took in life after fame. He could have been a great mentor for children in similar circumstances uh, that he was as a child. That's from Reed and Gore. Always uh, Reed coming through with some uh, valuable contributions for us. Manu has led a lot of people down, including himself. I hope the courts recognise the opportunity here to sentence him in a way that his high profile could be used to campaign against this truly life-destroying drug. He will man up and do it right. That's PJ from Temuka. Uh, hi, Smithy. My opinion on Manu Varavai is that he should be judged and sentenced as a person, not a sports star or celebrity or whatever. Sentence should be the same as any other person, whether that's a gang member, any race, any gender, none of that should matter. Thanks, and that is from Craig. Um, some of the no coming back for this for Mano, important crack is uh, moral. We've got that one out of the way. Um, you know, there's so many of them coming in. Um, and to, to be honest, John, um, it's probably expected. Uh, we can tell you also, John, can't we, that uh, text of the week wins that temper pillow for 299. Uh, keep listening to this, and the best text of the month will win a Temper Queen package, including a Temper Queen mattress, Temper Queen adjustable base, and two Temper pillows valued at $10,000. But the important thing to tell you about that is it will come from this show, this 9 to 12 morning show. The winner will come from that. We will announce it uh, at a, an opportune time. But yes, folks, uh, we, John Day, Brian, Trudy, myself, in the 9 to 12 slot, and we'll all have a say on that text, uh, we will all make the right decision and one of you will come off $10,000 better uh, and in the meantime, four of you, I understand, will get a pillow. So yeah. there you go. How good uh, is that? Don that's exciting. That's an exciting uh, in itself. I, I wasn't aware of that. I thought it would go across the board, but we've got it. Yep. Uh, that's our particular show. So keep coming at us, folks. Uh, and they are, John, with these texts. Yeah, mate, and, the other. and fair enough too. Like, um, methamphetamine is the scourge of New Zealand. It really is. Everyone would have watched Paddy Gower's um, On P. Uh, it's everywhere, Smithy. And so to import it, you know what damage it does to the community, but yet you've gone to the lengths of actually bringing the drug in to make yourself uh, get yourself a bit of money. You know, uh, it's deplorable, absolutely deplorable, and I think we've got some great text. So I'm printing off each uh, candidate for text of the week and text of the month, and I've got a wee pile of A4 uh, text so far. There's four in there at the moment. Every Friday we'll announce the text of the week winner. 
to get that temper pillow, two ninety nine. Smithy, you'd love a new pillow, wouldn't you? Do you struggle with a bit of sleep? I struggle with a bit of sleep, John. Um, I, you know, and we've we've also giving away, of course, uh, the sleep drops too uh, on this show, aren't we? So yeah, I, I should have no excuse. I should have no excuse if, of course, I was to receive hint hint any of those things <laughs> in the mail. Uh, I would have, <laughs> I would have. Uh, no excuse. So well, Smithy, I know Baz McCallum got a yeah. free $10,000 bid, so if it's what's good for Brendan is surely good for the Doyen Ian Smith. Well, and it's no bloody good to him because he's always away overseas, for God's sake. He can't sleep on the damn thing. <laughs> I'm always at home. Could have done with a $10,000 so bid. Goodness me, goodness me. Um, but that's McCallum. There you go, the pulling power of Brendan McCallum. Pulling power, my uh, New Zealand Warriors, anyway. New Zealand Warriors phoned the uh, phoned the NRL for a please explain after Reese Walsh received a two-match ban com- uh, compared to the one-match penalties handed to the Melbourne Storm trio. Uh, that was an interesting one as well, uh, John, but they're, they're financially, it looks like Munster in particular. Um, Cameron Munster's going to cop it big time. Uh, he's on a whopping $105,000 fine that has been suspended, so... Man, if he steps out of line again, he's going to cop it in the wallet. Uh, but they've got to boot him out of the leadership group. They've had a guts full of that. Uh, of course, the Melbourne Storm, in the end, were uh, the side that was going to win it that didn't, which makes it equally painful for the likes of Craig Bellamy, I promise you. Um, and, and also, he's going to Munster himself will commence a four-week stint in a rehabilitation facility in Queensland uh, for drinking issues. That, uh, that all seems small vickies now when we start talking about Manavadavai and what faces him ahead in December with uh, the sentence that will be uh, opposed on him. Um, uh, yeah, John, you've got uh, something else yeah, coming through? Well, it's interesting because I'm um, like, we're talking about the difference of punishment. Like, Reese Walsh was caught by the police, it was cocaine 100%, uh, whereas these two Storm guys are refusing to say what the white powder was on the table. So, a Juno, Peter Bedell in Australia, um, was on the uh, press conference yesterday, Smithy, with the Storm CEO. And this is how it went down between those two. No, Justin, I was just going to say, I've been listening to this. Like, you should be embarrassed as a club. I mean, you go on about doing a robust investigation. You haven't you haven't drug tested the players. They claim they can't remember what they took or didn't take, despite the fact there's video evidence. Like, this is a farce. You're playing us all for fools, Justin. And... What are you going to do about it? I mean, there's this clear vision that they've taken something. Have you asked the players that? Are have they going not, to admit to Peter, anything? Peter, Peter, sorry, have you not listened to anything I've been saying? This is not a fast yeah, This is a serious, well, serious situation that the club is dealing with and has imposed significant sanctions on each of the players. The actions so involved are serious and significant. Have you not listened to anything I've been saying? Yeah, I'll have. You you know, that's, but that's part of but that's part of a probe, Justin, and for it to yeah, be no, expedient Peter, and to be. So you know that the club yeah. is not permitted to drug test the players. Drug testing is done by the NRL. That is part of the players' CBA in association with the RLPA. So to say that the club's response to this is an embarrassment is a really poor reflection on you, and that you haven't listened to what we've been talking about today, mate. No, it's not a reflection on me at all, Justin. You're the CEO of the club. Yeah. You're, you're duty-bound yeah. to a degree I'm, to look into this as well. Yeah, I understand the NRL. Yeah, and we have in line with the NRL. 
and we've put together what we believe are really important, significant actions and sanctions for the players. It's not speed. Is, is, okay. Is, is Cameron Munster on his last chance, Justin, because he's had a few incidents? I think you could take from this that he is, yes. So there you go, Smithy, uh, the Storm CEO there, getting absolutely grilled uh, by Peter Bedell from The Australian. Uh, yeah, what was it then? So these players, these Storm players have got away with it, essentially. They don't have to say what the white powder was. No one can prove what it was because they can't get tested. So therefore, they get one game, uh, a ban and a suspended fine. Whereas uh, Reese Walsh, because he was caught with it, they do know what it was, gets two games. And uh, yeah, it's just the way justice has worked out in this situation, which is relatively interesting. Well, I'm just thinking why, and I guess um, my initial impression of that is if they were accused and a substance, an absolute substance was nominated as being on the table, uh, where is the evidence of it now? Uh, long gone, I would imagine. Long gone. Uh, and so there, they, there you, you leave yourself open for like a counter-suing. Uh, you've got to come up with the evidence, I would assume. So at the moment, it's just the evidence as seen on a phone and uh, you know, we're probably 99.9% sure exactly that it wasn't salt or sugar. It might have been some sort of candy, as they call it in the trade, so to speak. But there you go. I mean, uh, no, I, I'm, I, I, I kind of see that um, the, the club, um, whilst they're running for cover here, they're running for cover for a, a reason. Um, and, you know, I don't think Bellamy's the kind of guy and those kind of guys there are, are, are hell-bent on, on ducking for cover. I don't think it's their style of play, but... Anyway, uh, we shall continue to, uh, to follow that story. Uh, I'd love to go to a press conference like that. Uh, were you feisty like that, John? Were you a <laughs> nagging little reporter when it came to press conferences like that? No, very, very polite, Smithy. Um, yeah, I, I just um, went after the story, really. Tried not to really make myself the story, um, but I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, when people like CEOs can st- sit up there and just tell you what they think normally and don't get challenged, but if you've got a lot of uh, you know um, runs on the board, so to speak, like Peter Bedell does, he, if you're a veteran, you can go toe-to-toe with some people. I, I'd never had the confidence to go toe-to-toe with Steve Chew or Steve Hansen or anyone. I know Andrew Gordy did that time at the Rugby World Cup and he got asked to step outside and talk about it. So that's kind of the response you do get sometimes when you talk to these people. And yeah, um, Justin Rodsky there from the uh, Melbourne Storm, he was up for the fight, wasn't he? That was a, a good little tete I remember going to a press conference at the Rugby World Cup way back uh, just prior to the final in England. Uh, we all went out to where the new base where the All Blacks were. And uh, of course, uh, Joe Locke was running it like regimented, you know, and you can only have this much and that much and you can't have any time with him and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, we were told we couldn't have Richie or anything like that apart from a general comment uh, at the head of the table. And as he leaves the room, blinking Kate Hawksby gets up, gives him a big hug and a kiss, <laughs> and takes a photo with him and all these male reporters and these guys who are just clinging for just a, a word or two we're all shunned to the back of the room, and there you go. So there you. Oh, I was there, Smithy. I was there, mate. That pissed me off as well. Kate Hawksby just, just winging her way to the front of the room for a selfie oh. with a selfie. Yeah. It's like control the yeah. room, Joe Locke. Holy moly! There's yeah, no controlling well. Hawksby and Hosking, though, is there? Nah, there's not. Any, any Lauren to themselves. Uh, anyway, uh, it's eleven twenty nine here on SENZ, and uh, courtesy of Sleep Drops, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. A lot of S's in there, got them out all in a row. Um, I can tell you right here and now, you light up the phones. 0800-150811, time to stump Smithy. Uh, in the meantime, it's news with Trudy. 
Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, and yesterday there was a third question stumping, which of course means a jackpot, which means a hundred bucks from the TAB will be going into your account if you win today. And some sleep drops, of course, uh, which Smithy said so well before the news. And today we're heading down to Turbo Country. Kerry from Manawatu. G'day, mate. Yeah, how are you, mate? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What part of the Manawatu are you from? Oh, just outside of Manawatu there. Just outside um, of Manawatu. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. In the Manawatu. Yep. Oh, yeah. Nice. And your your rugby team's going bloody well. Aaron Smith goes all right, eh? Going real good. Yeah. Bloody good. Well, let's hope you go as well know. as Aaron in this quiz today. Uh, your three categories: you choose one, then get three questions right, you win. Get a question wrong, and Smithy can stump you. So today, you've got boxing, cricket, or netball. <laughs> oh. We'll go netball. Netball, you beauty. All right. Yep. You might be in for a nice little surprise here, actually. Let's go. Were you hoping for rugby? Of course. Of course. Of course, it's in your DNA around the Manawatu. All right. Netball questions. First question. Who was the coach of the Silver Ferns before Dame Nolene Tauroa? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Trudy, the newsreader knows she's got her hand up. Smithy, do you know for the stumping? Yeah. No, I, 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 I can. I, I got a feeling she was replaced in not controversial circumstances, but uh, it was just not working out too well. Uh, I can see. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Kerry. I can see her face, but I, um, Ruth. Oh no, no, not Ruth Ake. No, so well, well after. Uh, I'll go Ruth, Ruth Aitken, but I'm not sure. No. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Trudy Nelson with the answer. Janine Southby. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Janine Southby. We couldn't win a medal at the Com Games with Janine Southby, so she got the axe. Twelve months later, world champs. I feel a bit sorry for Janine, but. Nice family, nice family. Yeah, good coach, but just everyone knew Nolene was the one to go for. So you're still alive, Kerry. Question number two. Lucky you're not against Trudy, uh, because you'll be gone, Burger. Who is the current captain of the Silver Ferns? Um, Oh, I can see her face too. Uh, (laughs) If only this was a visual game. Yeah, um... (laughs) Oh. Under pressure, Kerry. You got something? Quite a long second, second name, I know that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I can't think of it, but I know who it is. He's got him, he's out caught. Smithy, what do you got? Well, uh, there's two possible answers here because the current captain, I suppose, is the one who captained us in the last game. So technically, uh, I think that's Sulu Fitzpatrick. But... But the nominated captain wow. for the Silver Ferns is Gina Crampton, I'm sure. Absolutely. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. 
right in the slot and away it goes. Well done Smithy, you covered all your bases there. Gina Crampton is the captain, she was named this morning for the next series against Aotearoa men and you were right, that third test, Sulu Fitzpatrick who's injured and out of this series against the men so unfortunately Kerry, no luck for you today mate. Try another time mate, thanks for your interaction and we'll go over to Steve-O from Auckland which means you have one question about netball, Steve-O, to answer correctly, and you win some sleep drops and a hundred bucks from the TAB, but get it wrong, and Smithy stumps you, we'll be jackpotting to 150 tomorrow. So, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm not too sure about my netball, eh? Hopefully you're going to the worst of the cricket field. <laughs> oh, well, let's hope. This, this is a relatively straightforward question. Who won the recent series between the Silver Ferns and England? England. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. <laughs> there you go, Steve. The easiest 100 bucks you'll make from the TAB ever. Elliot from Auckland would love to get that for tonight. Excellent, excellent. And uh, also, you get some sleep drops too. Uh, try New Zealand sleep drops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label though and take as directed Sleep Drops Auckland. There you go, Steve O. Thank you very much, mate. Have a good one. Yeah, have a great day. Uh, stay on the line, Steve O. We can get all those details. 11.37 here on SENZ. Uh, that's a bloody simple question there, uh, John. Uh, you're struggling. You're struggling to do your research. You took the easy way out. I can tell that. Uh, we're going to go and talk to Cohen Holloway. Cohen Holloway after the break. Cohen Holloway is our sport is no joke segment for this Wednesday here on SENZ. Before I get that in the supermarket a lot. There's he's doing it where he wants to stab me. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Recently, I did that thing where you get old and you realise you're in the supermarket and like a t-shirt that says something really inappropriate and pyjamas with the old school hole in them. <laughs> and you've, you've gone commando and you totally forgot about it because you're getting the shopping list done late at night. And some little kid's gone, is that that guy? And you go, going around going, what guy? And mum goes, oh, it's the pervert guy. <laughs> and... You kind of think, hang on, is it because I'm in Taika Waititi, name drop, uh, movie, and Hunt for the World of People playing the guy that says, are you a pervert? And so, because it's New Zealand, people just think, pervert! So that little kid goes, is that the pervert guy? And then mum looks at me and I'm in the pyjamas with a hole in them. And it's late at night and I'm buying really weird things, um, like condoms and cucumbers, because it's where I roll. And uh, it was a lonely night, okay? And I travel a lot. So I just owned up, said, yeah, I'm a pervert, take it. Well, I've got to say, if I'm near the cucumbers, I'm looking at you pretty strange too, uh, Cohen Holloway, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's that time of the week when we blend comedy and sport, and today's guest is Cohen Holloway. He is a brilliant actor and a funny bugger, as you've just heard. He's uh, been in Boy, Thor, Ragnarok, and The Hunt for the Wilder People, just to name a few, as well as plenty of other films and TV programmes. Uh, good morning to you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora, Smithy. Um, sorry about all the complaints that are obviously going to come through now. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah, and, and also it's just put me off my fruit and veg for dinner tonight. I'm thinking I'm just going to go steak beer. <laughs> steak beer for me tonight. <laughs> and beer. Actually, beer was a bad word as well. Sorry, I'll just be having a steak by itself. Oh. Uh, so, uh, oh, mate, here's, here's the thing. Here's the yep. thing. Taika Waititi, I mean, what, you, you guys, what, bosom buddies? You're real tight, are you? 
Uh, we are. I, you know, I'd have to get one of those special lockdown things to do any of his work at the moment. So um, I think Jacinda would be on my back. But uh, no, we're good mates. Yeah, he's, um, we started out together and he's, he's a very loyal, lovely man. So yeah. He paid me to say so that. Tell us. So he did. He, he paid. Well, you're, you're in there. You'll get a credit in the next one as well, mate. Don't worry about that. Hey, <laughs> you, you love cricket. You love cricket. What do you love cricket? Why, why do comedians I, love cricket? I don't know. Me, see, me and Ben Hurley, we used to play together. Um, I've been playing for Onslow most of my life. So, um, you know, that's Gav Larson, Comey's um, club, John Morrison. And um, mm. I just love it. I think it's a place because you get white line fever as a comedian. All your one-liners just pay off, you know. But I don't know, Smithy, 20 years ago, I could say next one's coming up around your ears, mate. Now it's just, you know, with the wickets we play on, it's around the ankles. In fact, <laughs> on that note, yeah. when I watch the, yes. the wicket in the current uh, tour of Bangladesh, New Zealand versus Bangladesh, and they said how terrible it was. I was like, come and play club cricket in Wellington before Christmas, mate. That is exactly what the wickets are like. Oh, I look I look at the Onslow Cricket Club. Gav Larson aside is pretty pretty straight oh. sort of a shooter. I, I hear Morrison, yeah. I hear Coney. I, I hear sort of little little tones of uh, eccentricity about that that kind of group. Are you are you part of that mould? That Onslow eccentric mould? Probably. I've um, my run ups down to three now. Um, it, it, it's Tyke used to go to Onslow College, so there you go. There's, there's the link there. I don't think he ever played cricket for Onslow, but um, no, nah, it's great. It's great. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, I'm about six foot two, so I'm always bowling into the 120 degrees southerly, and then you get heaps of swing and stuff. But no, nah, we're pretty eccentric down there. Um, cricket in Wellington, you get about five games a year with the weather. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's that's a good year. I mean, the, the first the first thing you should invest in you, you should invest in uh, one of those artificial pitches. I, I tell you, and then you're going to play at least six games because uh, the wind will blow you away for the other ones. But hey, what what were your school? Who did you model your game on when you were um, as a youngster? I well, it was your generation, Smithy. I um, I wanted to be Richard Hadley, of course. So I, you know, you, you did all the funny run ups. So I had my Richard Hadley down. I had the Lance Kens down with the, the windmill action going and um, had a big bat, which was, you know, five times too big, called a Excalibur. Um, but in our grade, it's block, block, swing and miss, and then, you know, hopefully you get a couple of dirty sixes and fours. Um, Matt, Matt Bell, um, who used to play for Blackouts, he's a good friend of mine, so he actually improved my game quite a lot. And um, I met Adam Gilchrist through him and um, had a bit of a, a few friendly throwdowns and, Adam gave me good advice. He said, you've got lead, legs like lead. Just get fat and bash it, mate. So I've pretty much done that, really. Well, you are the name droppingest comedian I've ever spoken to in my life. You, uh, you have certainly got, you have, you, you have got that. You have, you've, got that, you've got that title. What's, what's been your highlight? Your highlight, your one-off performance that we can single out? Well, I am on, I am on um, 349 club wickets. So I think oh, the highlight geez. will be getting getting that wicket, um, and I'm about 180 runs away from my 5,000 runs. So so um, that that those two will be my highlights. I, I think very selfish, um, but you know I bat seven now and I I bowl third string. You know, but like Colin de Grom, home. In fact, 
I think my stats are pretty much exactly like Colin DeGrom Holmes' last 10 batting performances. <laughs> like zero, yeah, zero, well, one, one, three, six. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a phone number, isn't it? His last uh, 10. So, <laughs> hey, um, other sports. What about other sports? Uh, you know, you into the traditionals, or do you have a sort of a way out sport that's grabbed you? I, I loved playing rugby when I was younger, and. Um, uh, you know, in our days, there was, you know, no concussion rule or anything. So I got, um, I, I played in Wellington and um, played for Paul Nicky and um, being a cheeky comedian that name dropped a lot, obviously, um, you know, <laughs> I got left on the floor quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I got concussed three times in one season. So that was the end of that, the all black dream over. Um, so, yeah, I um, I grew up watching, you know, Christian Cullen and, uh, you know, Jonah, I mean, Tana Umanga and Nonu as a Hurricanes fan and just, you know, how amazing to watch those guys play live. Just just incredible. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm an all blacks uh, rugby nut as well, but um I'm I'm chair critic. But I'm glad I'm glad the rules have changed. I'm glad there's heaps of coverage for um, you know, player safety in the air and things like that these days. I think I think it's a lot got a lot better from when I played as a kid. Uh, Colin, I, I just wonder, you know, with with these times, and, and you know, on a, on a slightly more serious note, um, uh, it's mm. been pretty tough for you, uh, comedians. Uh, so, what are, what have you got going on at the moment? What what are we likely to be able to watch you in, and how restricted have you been? Yeah, it's been pretty tough. Um, I've got a um, filmed some work this year in beautiful um, Queenstown, um, Cromwell. There I go, name dropping again. A show called Under the Vines, which is a um, Acorn TV B- BBC um, TV show. There, geez, I'm just name dropping all the time, Smithy. Sorry, mate. Um, and um, that comes out next year, so I was fortunate enough to uh, film that. And um, I'm in a band called the Multi Sidesteps, and we um, we're sort of a cheeky uh, uh, comedy band trying to spread the love of, of the real and all things good Multi in New Zealand. And um, a lot of our tours got cancelled this year, so, so that was pretty heartbreaking. But, um, yeah, I'm just, just looking for bits and pieces of work. I've, I've got a bit of writing on um, and um, helping cast a few television commercials and things like that. And, uh, yeah, with only having 100 capacity down here, it's, it's quite tough to even do stand-up comedy, which, which, which I do, do and love. So, yeah, it has been quite hard, but I, I know... I know the whole country's in the same boat, so, yeah. yeah, it's just tough. Also, being at home with my 12-year-old and 9-year-old son, so I'm just trying to train them into the ex-all blacks and cricketers outside in the backyard. I mean, what can you do? Nah, what, what can you do? Hey, hey mate, just finally, what, what, is, what, what, what is your favourite dish with a cucumber? What, what do you rustle up? <laughs> you know when you said steak and beer, mate, what time? Mm. I'm around. I'll try and sneak through. I love, I love a steak and a beer. <laughs> Cucumber. Uh, I, no, I'm not saying. Oh, I'd have to be a salad. I'm not a salad man. Uh, <laughs> Cucumber sandwiches at cricket were, was always on my mind, but not now, oh, brother. Not now. There you go. No, you don't want a cucumber sandwich at cricket, mate. No, not these days. No. No. Okay. Uh, hey, um, Cones, well, it's been a... Been a pleasure, mate. I don't want. I, don't want to, I, I just. I, I love talking to you. Um, I'm glad I met you. I'd love to meet you in person. Yes. You sound like a real character. Absolutely. And, and I'm gonna. 
I'm going to get all those shows out now and watch them because I know, um, and I know, and now, and now I the boots on the other foot. I can name drop because I have over the radio met yep. Cohen Holloway. It's my yep. turn to, to name drop. Thanks yeah, for your mate. time, man. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Smithy. Cheers, cheers, Cohen Holloway. There, folks. Um, another funny man just before uh, midday with some serious issues to deal with, Mark Stafford.